Brought to you by the Simple Investor, making the world of real estate investment simple. The Free For All Roundtable, round one. On round one this morning, John Wright is here from Wright & Associates. Jerry Agar from the Jerry Agar Show in a borrowed pair of reading glasses. You're looking very studious this morning. Uh -huh, I can almost see. <laughs> uh, Dave Trafford is with the Canadian Council for Public-Private Partnerships, and MPP Yvonne Baker is here as well. So good morning, everybody. Hello. Good morning. Morning. Can I say something? Yes. To my MPP? Yes. Could you stop phoning my house? Have you been phoning <laughs> Jerry? You're robocalling uh, him again. <laughs> well, I, I, I called him to invite him to uh, a virtual town hall. It's a phone call where constituents can talk to me about what they'd like to see in the upcoming provincial budget. So I don't do it often, but when there's something important well, and the budget's important... Don't you then, prefer the telephone make sure the megaphone? I hear from people. No, I prefer you didn't call me. Okay, but he's asking then for will, input on, on finance. Yeah, I want to hear from you what you'd like to see the government do in the budget. You hear from him every Wednesday yeah. morning. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's fair. He's a, he's a unique case. You still have a landline? Yeah, wow, well, says uh, the pollster. Yeah, there's a reason for that. <laughs> so, and I'm so sorry he, that you found out. <laughs> 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 oh right. God! Let's have at it then. Uh, school bus driver gets sick and tired of the kids allegedly misbehaving. Pulls over for 15 minutes. Goes back to the school. Principal says, "For the love of Pete, take the kids home." And ultimately, the kids ended up being about an hour late. Well, my kids told me that uh, she just uh, got out of the school, went a few blocks down, and just parked on the road and just sat there. And the reason that that was given was that uh, the kids were too noisy, and so she decided to you know wait it out until they uh, just be, didn't make any noise. Yeah, well, clearly it didn't work. That's a parent of two kids, age seven and eight, and he goes on to say by the time some of the kids got off the bus, they'd wet themselves. Yeah, there was about three to four kids uh, as they were coming off the bus. There's about 20 or 12 kids that come out at my stop uh, where my kids get off, and three to four kids uh, of those, uh, you know, had the urinate in their pants. And, uh, you know, you could see it basically while they were getting off. And I think most people remember, perhaps from personal experience, how abjectly humiliating a thing that is. Um, but, Jerry, I'll start with you. I realize it's not the biggest story in the world, but I think it's symptomatic of a system that ain't working. And we found that out in the fall when we didn't have enough drivers. And apparently we don't have enough drivers to replace this woman if she gets the gate. Um, well, I guess that's a problem, but uh, you have to solve it by finding a driver. You don't just say, we're going to put the worst people out there. Who thinks this is a good idea? Like, that's just dysfunctional. Uh, if the kids are misbehaving, Find some way to talk to the parents. Give the give the little kids a note to give to their parents. Most of them will hand it off because um, they can't read it, and, um, uh, and and deal with it that way. But this uh, that's a driver that needs to stop now. Dave Trafford. Most of the people I've heard from via text and even on the phone today are on Team School Bus Driver. They say kids are unruly and it's ruly and it's time to teach them a lesson. Well, either way, I mean I, we're we're still sort of dealing with one side of the story here, and I don't know that we really need to get into it deeply. But I think the issues are are several, not the least of which is who is driving the bus, how are they vetted to drive the bus, how are we paying the whole circumstance around that. This sounds like a bit of a, I don't want to go out too far of a limb here, but there might be a mental health issue here. Yes. That the, who knows what kind of crisis this woman was going through. We don't know what the conversation was with them. But I think it, in a larger way, it speaks to the notion of how easily we dismiss the role of the bus driver, but they are, you know, responsible for the 40 kids <laughs> uh, who are on that bus between the time that they leave the school and the time they get home. Uh, that's a fairly high responsibility, and we're paying them less than, or give or take, minimum wage kind of For a split money. shift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I'm glad you raised the issue of mental health because... Uh, 
you know, we make mental health a big issue at Bell Media, so I don't think, you know, if this woman was having some kind of a meltdown, maybe we need to show a little bit of compassion. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear the, the bus driver side of the story on this. That said, based on what we've heard, I mean, this is completely unacceptable. You can't have kids not being brought home on time, and, and no matter how unruly they are, the rules say, and common sense says, get them home on time. So it's unacceptable. I, I do agree that it, a lot of this has probably has to do with either how much we pay the bus drivers or the training we provide to them or the, or the, or the guidance we provide, et cetera, and those things have to be looked at by the school board. Why does it have to be about the pay? Do you, you have to get paid a certain amount to have common sense? Oh, I don't think it's well, about... Well, I don't know, but we talk about how corporate executives deserve every penny because well, they're worth it. But that doesn't keep kids uh, quiet on a bus. And, and speaking of somebody who, when they arrived in the city in 1968, we were bussed from Don Mills and Shepherd at St. Daniel's School to Bayview and Shepherd at St. Gabriel's. And I tell you, 40 kids who are in grade five screaming and yelling is not Ferris Bueller's day off on a bus. The one thing that got me was that I was terrified of Mr. Revel. Mr. Revel was the pre- was the principal, <laughs> yeah. the principal of this school. So I, I guess I don't know the story much too, yeah. but if, if I go back to a school and Mr. Revel got on a bus and said, I want everybody here to be quiet we would have all shut up. So I don't know whether or not, you know, the principal here just basically said, hit the road and get them home. But I agree. If you're a parent and you're waiting for an hour and a half, you're, you're, you're out of your mind. But on the other hand, maybe something was lost in the communication here. It's funny. You're reminding me, my elementary school principal was in the Lithuanian resistance. And believe me, nobody screwed around with him. <laughs> um, we spoke with Anne-Marie Aikens just a couple of minutes ago from Metrolinx about whether or not Presto, the fare collecting system on the TTC and Go, is a lemon. That's what Denzel Min and Wong and Joe Mahevic, two city councillors, are saying. It's important to get it sorted out in 2017 because 2017 is the transition year. It's the transition between the old system of Metrolinx tickets and tokens into the new system, which is Presto. And so this year of transition is the time that they're going to be paying for that cost. Dave, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, My experience with Presto is quite frequently I can't get it to read. And if I look at the fare collector, they shrug their shoulders and they don't seem to care. Uh, My question for Anne-Marie, which I don't think was suitably answered, was... Why do we go for the system anyway? I mean, in 1997, they built a better system in Hong Kong. There's a couple of things here that we start to look at in terms of the numbers. And, and you know, the, the TTC seems to be concerned about fare loss. And, I mean, when you look at these numbers, 4.2 million rides in December sounds like a lot, but it's less than 10%. We forget how many people ride the TTC on a given day. There's more than half a billion rides in this city every year. So we're down to less than 10%. And then less than 10% of those machines don't work. So we're really talking about a small number of fares that don't work. The issue here is the the, the degree to which we have reliable uh, technology, and we're going to move this thing forward. We're talking about, you know, autonomous vehicles and smart cities and everything that's interconnected and, and infrastructure that's moving forward and, and thinking around each other. We need to move this thing forward. And if we are so far in the rearview mirror on this stuff uh, that we can't kind of come to terms with these small details, then moving it forward, I heard... Um, Karen Stintz talking about, you know, the autonomous LRT yesterday. We need to be so far down the track on this. That's frustrating for the base, the people who actually rely on the service to think, can I trust it? And that's the real issue that Metrolinx and TTC have now. The unfortunate part about it, it's a Metrolinx problem and the TTC is wearing it. John, there are systems in the world where you don't even have to touch it. It just rings from your pocket. And there are ones in Hong Kong and London where the transit authority turns a profit. Yeah, and what what strikes me about this is, uh, and I didn't know this until this was raised, but the uh, Metrolinx and the province basically are responsible for compensating the TTC 
for this lost revenue. This is a contract that was put in place at 2012, and this is the first time, as I understand it, they're even asking to find out whether, like, how many people are going through and not paying and what the problem is. I think that's a, a real issue where you don't know. Like, I mean, we're just guessing at 10% of 10%, but we don't know the revenue figures. It could be as high as, you know, millions and millions of dollars. So that's the only comment I have. I uh, understand why the councillors are bringing this up and the TTC's not at fault, Metrolinks is at fault. I don't care. I'm a taxpayer, and I pay taxes to all these entities, and they're all incompetent. Yeah, I mean, I would just add, since, since Metrolinx is a provincial agency, I'll just say the fact that it's not working to me is not acceptable, right? It's, it should be working. When you put turn something on, it should work, and people should, should have trust, as Dave was saying, that it will work. So we've got to get it fixed, and we've got to get it fixed quickly. I will say, though, quickly, just, so, just for the context of, of the listeners, that the Presto system is not just a TTC product, right? This is a system that's being used in transit agencies across the GTA, and one of the things that's made its implementation challenging, this is not an excuse, but just a reality, is that you're integrating all these different transit systems and fare systems and IT systems, and I'm guessing that that may be part of the problem. That's not an excuse. Well, that's it just is a problem. The that's just explain the challenge, though, and that's the, and I still I, I hold by what I said. It's unacceptable. And it's got to be fixed. It is a problem in as much as we've got. We're trying to do a one size fits all. We started with Go, and let's face it, the Go service does not carry the the amount of the number of people or the kind of variations in vehicles. And when I talked to Andy Byford about it, that was the number one problem TTC had with it was a, a, adopting it to their various systems and services. It's amazing how a credit card can work on any system in any country at any time, and, and a Tim's card is the same, but somehow we can't do this. I mean, uh, does anybody think this is sensible? We'll leave that as rhetorical. Uh, three stories out of Queen's Park yesterday and not a lot of time, so which one uh, are you most heated about? Uh, woo woo, we're down to $1.9 billion deficit for this year. Uh, Patrick Brown sidesteps Islamophobia trap or disconnecting people from their hydro in winter. Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want it's the rest a triple of triple threat? Yeah, you want the rest of them to leave, and I'll start my show now. Uh, okay, uh, I'm going to take all of this up, I think, during my show. But I would like to say that don't be hoodwinked by uh, government approaching an election, telling you that they have balanced the budget. They've not imbalanced the budget. They are arguing with the auditor general because they are trying to include pension funds as an asset. She says that they can't do that. We have incredible and growing debt. They're not doing anything about that. They inflate a project and then say that they aren't going to be as bad as they said it would be. One-time accounting tricks like the sale of hydro and that sort of thing. This is all just a, a lie. Yvonne Baker? Okay, so Jerry, I couldn't disagree with you more on most of those points. First of all... Well, the, that's your job. The, and but... I don't have enough time to counter each of them. I'm just going to say this. First of all, the, the Auditor General made changed her mind after years of assessing the books one way, changed her mind and decided to, to assess them a different way. We got a panel of leading Canadian experts to come out accountants and look at this and they sided with the government saying the government was doing it the right way. We've used her, we used their accounting principles. Even if we use the Auditor General's accounting principles, let's just take that point for a second, we would still be on track to balance the budget by 2017 Is the debt growing? Because the deficit is 1.9 billion and the reason it's 1.9 billion is in part due to strong economic growth, that's a good sign, but it's also due to some really smart decisions and I've been involved in them and that's why I can speak to them because we've been taking some really smart, smart decisions about how we find better bang for the buck and spending people's money more wisely. Is there a lot of work, more work to do in government? You bet. You didn't but answer behind my the question. scenes, a tremendous amount of work is being done, and that's one of the reasons why the deficit's on track to be balanced. Is and the I'm debt proud, growing? As a finance person, yeah, but, I'm proud of that. Well, yeah, but part of this is when you look at the numbers here, we have almost $3 billion in extra tax revenue. I mean, this is, again, this is taxation where you've got 
Uh, you read off some of the numbers here. You've got a $1.04 billion, $1 billion in corporate tax revenues, $803 million in harmonized sales tax, $728 million in personal income tax. Uh, it goes on and on and on. So I, in many ways, what we're seeing here is, is more and more taxation while we're getting other things like hydro rates eating away at people's pocketbooks as well. But the reason we're getting that growth is because of economic growth. It's not raising taxes. Well, it's, it's, it's growth in growth in the economy, which per, is not personal the, income tax growth. No, that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying, so I'm saying because of economic growth, that's where we're getting all most of the revenues you talked about. Yeah, more people working. More people working, uh, et cetera. That's why, I, that's and are we going from. further and further into debt? We are going into debt, but okay. that debt is being used to fund capital infrastructure, not because of deficits, but because of infrastructure. So Responsible fiscal we... management on the part of your party is an oxymoron. I suspect we'll hear portions of this roundtable on the Jerry Agar Show this morning. <laughs> it's